Baby, I'm a boss. I don't know what they do. I don't get drops. I drop the label. World can't hold me. Too much ambition. Always knew it'd be like this when I was in the kitchen. Niggas in the same spot. Me, I'm dodging raindrops. Meaning I'm on vacate. Chilling on the big yacht. Yeah, I got on flip flops. White Louis bow shoes. Y'all should grow the fuck up. Come in, let me coach you. Hold up. Somebody bring me back some money, please. I got a million ways to get it. Some water and splashing you and stuff. You're whipping through the water. Well, you know what's crazy? The I was on the bus uh, going to Hollywood Studios where Jack did that, like got to fight Darth Vader and stuff, which yeah, was yeah, yeah. just the highlight for me, of course. And But um, he was this massive UFC like he had a UFC tattoo. He was a firefighter and from New Jersey. So not someone who, you know, he's, he's a tough guy. He's a guy's guy. And we got talking on the, on the bus and he said that he was almost in tears getting off of the ride. Like that's how emotional that, the, the avatar, right? Yeah. And Damn. Well, and what's funny is like when I, you know, we kind of were talking about it and we weren't even going to go to Animal Kingdom because we'd heard that the lines just around the park were insane because of, because of Avatar. And I mean, Jack's never even seen it. He doesn't know anything about it. There was no draw for us to really go. And then hearing his testimonial, uh, you know, I'm like, Christina, we gotta, we gotta check this thing out. And then... Of course, the line for this, we went on a Friday. So, we, rookie mistake. We we went oh. to Animal Kingdom on Friday. So, yeah. what I learned about Disney, which maybe was common knowledge, but people from Orlando get uh, crazy discounts for Disney as part of like a, I'm so sorry, you're going to have all these tourists around forever. You can you can use Disney because it's about $200 a day. It's insane. Like for wow. me, like that's how much it costs. Is that for the whole family or just you? No, per person. What? Oh, it's insane. Yeah, it's about... Oh, man. But, but I'm sorry, that's not true. It's 125 American a day per person. Okay. Um, okay. But then we got the park hopper, which lets us do multiple parks per day. So that was 165 American a day per person. Mm. It's expensive. Um, and so it was just full of... Orlando people who are playing hooky on Friday to ride Avatar. So, so the, the ride ahead. that you did go on though was that was that like the Mech? The ride? No, the ride we did go on. Have you been to Disney before? Years ago, like actually maybe like eight eight years ago now. Okay, but you remember like you've done Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like that, but Avatar. Oh. Uh. So okay. you're on the boat, you drive, like you just ride around a river kind of, and there's like, it's beautiful. There's those, uh, almost like these crazy holograms from all the kind of mon, like not monsters, but animals that are in the jungle. It's at night, you're in this sort of jungle scene. There's this massive Navi thing at the end playing this mm. crazy instrument thing. It's beautiful. It's nuts. But even that was like a two and a, a two hour wait. It wow. was that. I mean, it was worth it'd be it. Kind of cooler. It'd be cooler if the other ride was a VR ride as well. But you're in a mech and you're like going to war. Oh, that would be so cool! Like as a human. Yeah, be, yeah, 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 yeah. That would so be. You can see cool. both sides of the story. You know. Well, so I, I think I came across 
one of Disney's. Uh, I want. I want to float this uh, conspiracy. Not conspiracy by you. Uh, everything's a conspiracy for me. Um, so, what's his name? Cameron's got to be doing more avatars, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, because there's no yeah. way they invest in something like that for one for one film. Yeah. Maybe they're even going to expand it. Obviously, because it's VR, they can just update the the, the software experience and make it. Um, you know, it'll be not evergreen, but when the new movie comes out, they'll be able to change it. So that makes sense. Um, if you've been to Epcot, they've got these different pavilions, right? They've got, mm-hmm. you know, Canada, Japan, Norway. So Norway always struck me as weird when I went years ago. Like, why would they have Norway? That's kind of strange. And then lo and behold, Frozen takes place in Norway so now yeah. they've got this yeah. massive frozen ride in Norway, which was amazing. It was it was a phenomenal ride, and um, that was cool. Now you've got Coco that just came out. It takes place in Mexico. Of course, there's a mm. Mexico pavilion. So then you start walking around Epcot, and there's a movie for each of the of the places, except for Italy, Canada, England. There's a few places they haven't done a Pixar movie yet, but most okay. of the places are okay. covered, and there's like a character or an experience. So I'm just calling it that there'll be a movie that takes place in either England, Canada, Italy. I think that's it. Yeah, those, okay. the, the, those are the only places that there haven't been a Pixar or Disney movie, and it's a genius strategy because then they can just incorporate it into Epcot and get you to go back to the park. So it's a oh Disney's just a we could do a whole episode on every time I come back yeah, from Disney yeah. just from a product and execution perspective you just you just did get you, so um, inspired. Did you guys stay at the? Uh, I heard there's like a Star Wars kind of themed hotel where you go in and everyone like when you sign up you sign up as um, kind of like you're role playing so you can choose to be like a bounty hunter or something and you're all staying in this hotel and there's a whole narrative that they run so when you yeah when you go there you're actually on a ride to get there and then basically like some shit's happening and you're automatically part of that narrative nick come on do you really think that if what you just described was available i wouldn't have done it no this is what i heard i, I it's heard coming. maybe it's not out yet but this is oh yeah yeah it's coming it's coming 20 2019 oh okay okay 2019 okay so they're building when we were at hollywood studios you can see the big sign and there's all the construction going on behind for the whole there's hollywood studios is getting a a toy story world so an entire Mm. section for toy story which makes me think they're going to do a fourth toy story which they said they wouldn't do they are they are they're, they're doing another one yeah no really yeah i think so yeah man toy story 3 is like near perfection i don't know how they're going to beat that one you know what? I always think they're trying to milk that IP, but every time I see the next Toy Story, it's always amazing. It's like it's, it never it's never disappointed me. No, it has to be the only franchise. I'm sure someone's done a study on this, but as far as just even like pure Rotten Tomato reviews, everyone has mm-hmm. gone up. It's amazing. It, okay, I'm not. Mm, I, I feel like the Cars franchise. Yeah. I feel like the Cars franchise. They've been milking that. Oh, because I, I, yeah. even with the first one, I wasn't really into it. But cars, cars sell, and but Toy Story, I, I, amazing. Cars is fascinating because, yeah, the movies, the movie gets uh, kind of uh, 
flame. Like they're not great movies. And then, no. but because they're cars, I guess they they sold a ton of merch. And then yeah. the the gross. So if you look at the gross numbers, the, the cars ones gross almost the highest. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. But um, but like critically, the Toy Story three is really like I could watch that movie over and over again. On so many levels, it's such a great film, and um, I've heard Coco, this new one too. I read some reviews because we we do like a Christmas movie every year with our whole family, and mm-hmm. normally Jack can't come because uh, he's too young, and now mm-hmm. he uh, he's probably too young to see Star Wars, even though he loves it. That it looks pretty intense. This one, like it's pretty dark, so I don't want to turn. What's him- rated? Is it like? It's still it's like PG, PG right? though, because they try to get all the people to go see it, right? So yeah, it's just it's too like I don't want him to be freaked out and then ruin his amazing Star Wars experience that I've crafted for him at like three and a half years old. The lucky, the lucky boy. Um, Do you guys anyway, want? We'll go ahead. Star Wars. Uh... Oh, sorry. Want... <laughs> wow, that was that was a. Uh... We literally paused and talked. I, I sorry, I didn't hear you. What'd you say? Did you did you guys watch do you guys watch the Star Wars like the cartoon, the animated series? No, he's not even into that. He wants to watch the real the real deal. Dude, just just take him, man. Just take him, dude. We'll see. We'll see. But we're probably <laughs> gonna see Coco. So I was looking at the reviews and it's they're insane. Like critics are saying, you know, it's like this near perfect film and I read uh, Pixar has a great book. The Catmull wrote a book, Creativity yeah. Inc. Yeah. Have you read that one? Amazing book. Yeah. And it's, it kind of ties into, we can segue this into our, into our topic today because there's a few. Okay. So we're, we're going to talk about uh, ambition today and a different flavor of, of ambition because we sort of covered that in I think our first or second episode but you went to a Jay-Z concert this week which I have some questions about but yeah, yeah. but he's an example of just crazy ambition and a crazy story to match it Pixar mm-hmm. to me is a company of crazy ambition and a, and a story that when you when you hear the Pixar story it feels like it's it's almost proof that there could be a god when you when you hear that story. I mean, you've got a, a failed Disney animator who dreamed of being a Disney animator, who didn't get hired by Disney, who forms a company with this crazy graphics guy, Catmull. This is Lassiter, who then meets Steve Jobs, who, no, Steve Jobs buys it from George Lucas, who's in the mix here. They then create Toy Story. The rest is history. And then they buy the company, or they get bought by the company that he dreamed of of working for as a child. And he now Mm -hmm. runs the animation department, even though he just took a six-month leave because he hugs too many people, according to sources but uh, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole yeah let's not let's not let's go down that right now <laughs> but still i mean how do you how do you write a better story than that i mean it's it feels too perfect that that could exist in a, in a world and then you i think a lot about um ambition and self-fulfilling prophecies to me are are intertwined 
And what I mean by that is, do you, by being crazy ambitious, stack the deck in your favor by not listening to haters, by working harder than the next person, by, quote, making your own luck? Or are you just very lucky? And for every story like John Lasseter and Ed Catmull, there are 500 near misses that that don't work out. And could Jay-Z just be another gangbanger on the streets of New York? Is it just luck that he is where I, he is? I, did he did he I, do this? And and how do we how do we as as mere mortals, you and I, what should our compass be for ambition? Do we? Because I've I've gone the gambit. Some parts of my life I have tried to dial up, let's call it rapper level rapper level ambition, and just okay. No, I've never gone rapper level ambition, okay. but just okay. Go, go, so Go I, I've been thinking about this a lot. So I went to the Jay-Z show um, and I historically, like in the past, I was never a huge Jay-Z fan because I was always a Nas fan. And if you're into rap, if you're a Nas fan, you can't really be a Jay-Z fan. But yeah. um, at a certain point when he dropped the Black album, I was really into that. It was like the first album he started writing his own lyrics um, because like before that he would, he doesn't, he, he would never write lyrics. Like he hears a beat, he just goes in and then he just like freestyles the whole thing. So who, all his who, albums who, who, up to the black wait, album. Is this Jay-Z or Nas? Jay-Z. Okay. So he, incredibly talented, but I have always like, whatever, I wasn't never a huge fan, but mostly because I, I have like a man crush on Nas. And, but the black album was the first album he wrote, and I was I was really I thought it was like a brilliant album. What's one really of the like it. main songs from the black album? Because I don't really you know, like know. Ninety nine problems. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. You know, like ninety nine problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's one of the big songs on the album. Anyways, he was in town in Toronto. Um, he did like his catalogs massive, and um, it was a great show. Um, but when I was thinking about Jay Z level ambition, I was thinking about my own kind of um past my career and all that stuff and i think i i don't think i've ever had jay-z level ambition and i don't think you've ever had jay-z level ambition um because like everything i've done so like you know you you, you work at a job or you even like when you're running your own like e-wakened or you're doing a like a, one of the startup things you're doing um in e-waken maybe you pick up a client maybe it's a hundred thousand dollar client two hundred thousand dollar client that's cool but i think for jay-z it would be way he's he's looking like five steps beyond that it's almost like why do i just pick up a couple clients um to do this thing when i could maybe just write write ruby on rails i'm not going to just be a user of ruby on rails i'm going to own ruby on rails do you, do you know what i mean like it's 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 like such a different level. Like my 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 uh, brother's a financial advisor at CIBC, and uh, you know I was talking to him about it a bit. And you know for him he gets another client or something that's great. But a Jay Z mentality would probably be like I'm gonna own CIBC. Yeah, and that's a very different. It's a gigantic leap. It's a very different like way of thinking. So um, okay, but I I think the yeah. I, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought up Ruby on Rails. So thank you for that. So, because yeah, yeah. again, a lot of my. It's funny that you meant you pulled that out like as an example because I 
I think there's a an interesting thing here where we I think we talked about on another episode the the 37 signals effect which is you know they are the guys who created Ruby on Rails they write all these books about business and how they're different and and all this stuff and I read this great critique of them that kind of said hey these guys got very lucky they wrote what is really some mediocre project management software that got a lot of attention in the early days when there weren't very many complicated things out there. They got a, a lot of money. They got an investment from Bezos that created a halo effect, which then, you know, they just, they got these great breaks and I'm sure they did it. Obviously they did a ton of work. They created this amazing thing, but now that they're saying all of this, that only works because they got lucky and because they're the winners. Whereas there's a very equal probability that that never happened. Now, I don't like those arguments because in our reality, unless you're a huge Rick and Morty fan and you want to just play multiverse, they, they did have that success and we are in that reality right now. So I can't imagine a world where they're not. So it's kind of weird to just use that as a as an argument against a successful person or a company. But, no, no. I, but they're successful, but they're not Jay-Z level successful. Well, like they... Jay Z himself is like a massive mogul, a massive brand. He he is like he has this. There's like a funny like uh, lyric he has there. Um, uh, I, forgot, I forgot which song it was, but then he, well, they he, he's like I'm I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man, <laughs> and it's so like true though. Like he himself, like he's he's like this massive brand, and he's built so much around it and he's like what i don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars this guy's worth but he's shooting for a billion right but why okay but why so you said that he's always fight and you're you're the jay-z historian i'm not and i'm not picking on him directly because he is most doubtably an outlier and he's an outlier of the outliers in that world of celebrity mm-hmm. and 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 musician and whatever he is in the top 1% of the 1%, right? So it's hard to create a case study from from Jay-Z, but what okay, you said he's 5 steps ahead or he thinks 5 steps ahead. Mm-hmm. So I'll just devil's advocate and say I call bullshit. Maybe he does now, but I I I wonder with a lot of these again these people who have this great story it's always easy to tell a story once you're successful and rich and it's easy to, okay, I'll give you an example. Let's say that Hubba becomes the big, bigger than Alibaba. Okay. And we mm-hmm. don't even IPO. We stay private and we just become the most profitable private company in the world. And my salary jumps to whatever. And then one day, mm-hmm. 20 years from now, I become the CEO of, of Hubba and, it's the biggest company in the world. It's going to be so easy for me to write a book that tries to connect dots between all of my shitty ideas and failures and how it all led me to this moment where, and I could even say that even back then I knew that I was just getting ready for my big, because that's a better story than I was running around like a chick with my head cut off and had this great idea for 99 problems and got really lucky. And then, all of a sudden became, you know, so unless you can prove to me that he's always been writing and talking about this, which I know in his case, he might, that, that's probably easy to do because a lot of rappers do have this story. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I worry that 
Um, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give you an example of why I think Jay Z is kind of next next level than you or I. Hello, can you hear me? Oh yeah, one sec. Let's just go on record. Clearly, okay. he's. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not trying to compare myself to to Jay Z here. Or uh, we. <laughs> <laughs> there's no. There's no comparison to be made. Uh, let's just let's just make that very plainly clear. If that was not that was not clear i okay yeah for sure but i kind of think well first of all i think if he was running ruby on rails i think he'd be i i I don't this is probably inappropriate to say but i almost feel like he would fight for ruby on rails to be the number one pervasive web development framework out there and it would be i i don't i don't know i just feel like he he's that kind of guy he has that that kind of Steve Jobs-ish kind of ambition to him and that business sense to him that I do think um, in a lot of developers' minds, it's not really like you're a lot of people who make product, they want to make nice things and they're into that, but not a lot of people have that huge business sense to it. And I do think in the example um, that you had with John Laster too, I think John Laster is more into building beautiful things. I think he got he caught a break because Steve Jobs was there and Steve Jobs pushed for doing something bigger. And he, well, in a way, but I think he he kind of, well, Steve Jobs definitely bank- bankrolled a lot of that to happen, right? Right, and, right. He gave them the runway to, but it was really Catmull in the Pixar example that was the, let's call it the more business genius and last, it really was like the creative, yeah. The the total, the, the creative. But, yeah. Okay, so anyways, side sidetrack. But Jay Z, he's always been a very successful rapper and very talented. Um, like like I mentioned before, like super like crazy. Like this guy would never write lyrics down at all. He hears a beat, he goes in, and that's how he made like I don't know eight, nine, ten albums, just off off the off the cuff, never writing lyrics down. Period. And so that alone is incredibly talented, but. He started like his own like Rockefeller, uh, Rockefeller like label. He had a whole bunch of artists uh, that he brought up. Um, but if he was just in it as the artist, he would just make music and he'd just be into the making the music. But for him, it was like he has that business side that was like, no, I don't want to be the worker. I'm going to be the owner. And he made that that jump, which I think 99 percent of people will not even attempt to do that at least back then agreed agreed and and i think a good parallel in our world is i mean just look at you and i why aren't we running companies why aren't we mm. you know we're we clearly don't have that kind of ambition we're happy we're satisfied with where we are not doing that and or even this podcast like we're not you know we didn't set out here saying we're going to make the podcast that everyone in the world is going to listen to. And mm-hmm. maybe Jay-Z would do that. Or maybe he would try to invent some new medium and, and <laughs> claim podcasting is, is old or something. But I think where you, where, where I see, you know, you like, uh, and anybody, and again, I'm kind of devil's advocating, but I'm also, um, I'm trying to think more critically about, my life because I got really into let's get real personal here. I got really into that, that book, the secret when it came out, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be ashamed to admit it. And 
now I do what I normally do when I get interested in a topic. I I read the you know the, the pop culture layer, which is the secret, and then I go and just deep dive on okay, where did this come from? Surely this has to come from somewhere. And let's not get into the origins of the secret because it involves like other dimensions. I'm, I'm serious. So, but but this idea of visualizing success is not an old uh, idea, and there's a lot of documented science around around it. You know, basketball teams uh, are actually for some reason the most documented. Um, uh, Olympic teams now do visualization before the Olympics, before their sports. And astronauts visualize every spacewalk before they do it. Like there, there are documented statistically significant studies that say if you picture and you talk success, you will be more likely to be successful. Now, mm -hmm. there's a whole body of counter-research against why that's all placebo and stuff, but bring this back to Jay-Z, what I always wonder about that kind of ambition, though, is how do we use it as a tool? Can we Can we borrow his ambition as a tool? And the thing I've always wondered is, like, imagine if we walked around talking the way he did as developers and product people and marketers in our in our day jobs like imagine if we brought jay-z level confidence because that's really what it is it's a confidence of, of success it's not even ambition it's he sees a picture in his mind and he is certain that by seeing that in his mind it's it, that means it's possible and then hmm. he is going to carve the path to get him there and yeah. so and you know, like I love, so every time I need to get pumped up at work, if I'm like doing something at work, I listen to the song onto the next one, the Jay-Z song. Yeah. And there's something about the lyrics. It's not even about the beat. The beat is amazing too, but there's something about the lyrics that just, I almost borrow his confidence when I listen to that song. And it's, there's something really empowering about, putting on like Jay-Z's persona for 10 minutes while you need to get something done or to hype you up for me to start working on something. And mm -hmm. sometimes I catch myself thinking, what if I just acted like this all the time? So like, what if when, you know, um, I don't know, someone came to me on my team and said, oh man, Ken, or like if my boss came to me and said, Ken, we need to get, you know what you're doing? We need to quadruple it in, in, in 21 days. I'll be like, no, we're going to quadruple it in two weeks. Like, and then just mm. somehow will that to happen, which is like kind of, let's, let's imagine that's what Jay-Z would do. Okay. Something like that. Take some impossible task or, or please tell me I've told you the Steve Jobs uh, iPhone story. I, I don't know if you did. Okay. Why didn't you tell it? First hand, first hand, this comes from, okay, well, I can't vouch firsthand, obviously, but this comes from a trusted friend that we went to uh, grad school with, uh, Mike Yurka, who uh, worked on, on the Bump Top team and then went to Google. Anyway, he knew someone who worked on the iPhone team and um, whatever. This comes, from, it, maybe it's been embellished, it probably has been, but I just love the story. And the idea is that they brought the iPhone prototype to Steve and he wanted it thinner. And they said, Steve, we can't make it thinner for these reasons. It had to do with component thickness and just physical thickness, like atomic level physics limitations. Sure. And he sure. dropped it in a thing of water 
and bubbles came out of it and he said that means there's space go make it thinner and they made it thinner they made it almost okay so and this is why steve jobs is incredible and people like elon musk it's like they have this notion that the earth will bend to me so you have a phd physicist coming to you and saying the maximum thickness is 37 nanometers and then a non-scientist saying no you know what make it 35 knowing full well that he has no idea whether or not that's possible but he's betting on the fact that by pushing him so much he will find a way to invent a 35 nanometer design so Mm -hmm. he has no idea whether that's possible elon musk didn't know if he could go to mars he but he's pushing people to just make it happen and it's this like so bringing it back to um bringing it back to like the let's call it like the secret or the the idea of pre-visualizing something and then almost willing that into being you can kind of see where that idea becomes alluring because how can you take something that everybody in the world would say is impossible and then actually make that happen right without there being some kind of magic or some kind of alchemy going on which is why the appeal of the secret is so powerful but yeah but i okay so i I think there's one element of that like where you where you want you visualize success you will it to happen but i kind of don't even think that's what makes that separates like a jay-z you know steve jobs elon musk these types of people from everyone else i think the biggest thing really is like well there's definitely that but it is the foresight to see where things are going to go and having the conviction to get there Hmm. so in the example of the the, the jay-z stuff you know he's always been fairly at he he's he's been at the head of the game for the for a lot of his 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 life he's made the right choices he made the right bets and you know um when he started Rockefeller records a lot of people didn't weren't record owners like they didn't have their own label he 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 did that when the music industry started coming down and money wasn't being made in like uh, album purchases but they're more made on like touring he started having he started his own kind of tour um i forgot tour tour company i forgot what the tour company is called but um they started um basically uh setting up a whole bunch of the uh shows and stuff for different artists so he was running that game and then you know music went to like spotify and all these things he he put a bet on title title is not really I think I, it's probably going to die. I was wondering to, if we were going to, I was wondering if you were just going to sweep that one under the rug. Cause I, I think no, that's, yeah, it, it's, it's probably going to die, but he made that bet though. Like he made the right bet, like in terms of where music is going. And he was like, I'm going to put my hat in the ring and we're going to, we're going to try to get there. But he had the foresight to see that, but maybe he was maybe a little too slow to move on that. One. But it was still the, the right play. And even, if you just look at his history of um, collaborators, he I also I also think he's, he's a bit of a businessman is because like he has um, piggybacked on a lot of other people's career and success. And this is also really interesting because you see this a lot now um, in like social media, um, big brands. You see like um, like I don't know if you know, like cause it's like a, like an artist and they've done stuff with. 
uh, Uniqlo and you see stuff with like Supreme, like all the streetwear stuff. Yep. It's, they, you know, they did a collab with Louis Vuitton and a lot of these brands are piggybacking off other brands now. And you're getting a lot of these partnerships that are um, really just helping a lot of these brands just get bigger and bigger, right? Because you're, you're tapping into other people's audiences. But, you know, Jay-Z's been doing this for years. Like if you look at um, some of the collaborations he's done, he's like toured. He's made an album, I think, with R. Kelly. He toured with R. Kelly. This is when R. Kelly was still very hot. He did the same thing with like Kanye, of course, um, Justin Timberlake. He married Beyonce, which is in itself like a massive business move. Uh, he did the, right? the, the, the Linkin Park thing. The Linkin Park, you know. Um, so all these collaborations, it, A, you know, uh, bolstered his audience, grew his audience to like different people who might not have known Jay Z or listened to Jay Z, uh, legitimized himself in those kind of circles. Um, but he was always kind of a step ahead in these kind of moves, and I think he had the foresight to see that. And similar with like uh, Steve Jobs, seeing where uh, Apple was going to go, or even just seeing something in um, uh, John Laster, Ed Catmull in that void that was missing and what they could do and how they were going to take uh, the animated world into the, that next level. Or even that ambition of, of Elon Musk to say, like, we're going to fucking colonize Mars, you know? Like, people have that foresight to see, like, this is where things are right now, and it's actually not that big of a leap to go this extra bit, this extra hmm. step. That's a really... And, no, you, you, yeah. You really... Kudos to you there. I think you, I mean, yeah, you, you unlock something in my, in my brain there where I think a line of, we, I think we touched on this last couple episodes ago with, we were talking about Ray Kurzweil. And one of the things that he always said is he's, his secret is just inventing really for the future as in he builds technology that he knows isn't even possible today. But he's good mm. at predicting trends of computing. Therefore, he knows that by the time his idea is ready, the the computation will catch him. So he was doing natural language processing before there were machines capable of doing that. But he got the math right and he got the algorithms right. So that, But that took him three years. And then three years later, the hardware was ready to, to implement that algorithm. And he did that mm. very deliberately. And I think you're almost... And I praise him for that. And I think that's a super... I try to even internalize that in my my daily life and that you know where are ads going where's where is growth going all that kind of stuff just from my my day-to-day job but you you're right though in that that is the a common thread between jay-z steve jobs and elon musk like elon musk doesn't know that he could get to mars but the the calculus that he did in his head is or like his real stroke of genius was if I can get these rockets to not crash into the earth, if I can land these rockets, then that's going to cut the cost of these rockets down by a factor of whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, if I extend that out 30, 40 years from now, maybe something like Mars is on the table. And that was really it. And I mean, I'm simplifying it, but his genius was asking the question, why do these rockets fall into the water? Maybe I could get them to land and then save all that money. It was all about money. With with Steve Jobs, I can't remember why he invested in Pixar or what like what his whether it had to do with just just looking at the industry and knowing that graphics were going to be really big and but you're right. And I think if we translate that to our 
in our real in our world though it goes back to another conversation we've had should sego be doing vr should you guys be building vr experiences even if you're five years too early so that mm-hmm. if the market goes that way you're the jay-z of kids vr where you look like the genius who was wor- who's been working on this for years or for me i think um i know we're going to do a whole episode on on crypto but i have really strong beliefs in cryptocurrencies i i'm i i'm an outlier in that when i tell my opinions to people a lot of people laugh at me a lot of people just think i'm crazy and i've now had a, an opportunity from a few people to be like hey okay here's a chunk of money like my money serious money go invest it for me you know like a like mm-hmm. a hedge fund and I know I'm not Jay-Z because I haven't done it yet. Whereas if it was Jay-Z, he would probably be like, cool, I'm going to go get a hundred other people to give me this. And I'm going to create the biggest crypto hedge fund. And he'd be already, he'd be, he would have done it by now. But the truth is I don't have the balls of, of my conviction to know whether or not I'm serious enough about my convictions to play with other people's money. And I think that's what separates me from Jay-Z where mm-hmm. he had the balls to go and do things like, go in debt maybe to start his touring company or to start Rockefeller or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Um, and, and, and I think that fundamentally that's the difference. It's like a risk reward tolerance. And man, we've, it seems like we've talked about so much of this stuff already. You know, we talked about this idea of Jay-Z came from fuck all, right? Like nothing. Yeah. He was legitimately, I remember there was that great story of like, remember when he had this like big thing with Ja Rule? I think it was him, right? Where yeah, yeah. he he called him like a what, a studio gangster. Um, or like he like yeah. showed him, he showed Ja Rule his gun or something on tour. Like Jay-Z actually had a gun in his pants and he like showed it to Ja yeah, Rule. Yeah, yeah. And Ja Rule yeah. like, like yeah. basically like was so scared. Or I can't remember, but it basically killed Ja Rule's career because people realized like, oh, Jay-Z's a legitimate gangster <laughs> and Ja Rule isn't. And when it comes to us, like we weren't, we're not, we weren't raised in that. We had great lives growing up. We had a very good life, you know, and mm-hmm. it's that whole good is the enemy of great. Are we, are, are things so good for us that we're never willing to take the risk to go for that kind of greatness because we almost have too much to lose yeah uh, i think about that a lot and i I think like when you i think when you look at a lot of really successful people and maybe it's because i just listen to rap music a lot i'm just like wow these people who really made it have come from nothing and a lot of you look at a lot of successful people that is the case like even like elon musk like he was crazy he wasn't like terrible life yeah 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 like he, um, he like escaped his family and moved to Canada of all places. I mean, he. It sounded like he had a really rough first twenty years of his life. Yeah, and I, I think that definitely helps, though, right? Like, if you're gonna go all in, you know, like if we go all in, there's that prospect of like, oh man, this is gonna be terrible. Like, I, I can't pay my mortgage, I can't do this, but that's still not that bad because you know for me i know alicia still has a job i'm gonna be okay right um my parents uh, still have a basement that i could go sleep in even if christina kicks me out of the house and uh, totally yeah um 
but we don't really I don't we don't really comprehend rock bottom and no. I think the people who are incredibly successful they know what rock bottom is and I think that a drives them to get to be more successful because they don't want to get back to rock bottom but also they know their bets and they know like if I go all in it's really actually not that bad I'm not going to hit that rock but I've been there and if I make a hundred million dollar investment on this thing right now and it fails like whatever I'm, I'm still going to be better off than I was like in the first 10 years of my childhood or something you know what I mean like oh yeah um and that's that's just crazy um perspective to have and you just can't you can't just make up that perspective you just have to live that perspective right let me, let me take it on a mm-hmm. so going back to the whole idea though of of self-fulfilling prophecy though because I, I i think that jay-z is a great example of that i think that a lot of rappers talk like when you when you listen to them in interviews they they really talk about like they've they've seen themselves at these interviews before they're doing them like they they talk as if all they dreamed of and all they thought about was just escaping you know this crazy childhood they had and that this was their ticket and all that or a lot of people who have these single-minded you know uh, hockey players, uh, professional athletes, Olympians, they, a lot of them have that similar kind of story. And going back to the example of, you know, your boss comes to you and says, you need to go, well, like you need to go do the impossible, whatever that means for you. So maybe for you, it's like, you need to launch a game in two weeks that sells over 20,000 copies in its first week or something like that. Like, let's say you show up to work on Monday and you essentially get a proverbial gun to your head saying, this is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. The, the Where do you lie on the spectrum of there are some things that are truly impossible, c- cannot be done, versus we are, we are so self-limiting that what we're, what we're really capable of is so much more, but we, we stop ourselves short all the time so maybe you really could do that yeah and 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 where's the line so how do you know when to push back and say that your boss is crazy or when do you push back and say wow my boss might be steve jobs who's asking me to do something in the realm of possible but quite impossible and and how do you because the other Mm. end of the spectrum is your, your boss just might be an idiot I mean, they, they, they really just might not understand. Like if Elon Musk went to his team and said, okay, guys, we need to put a, a rocket on Mars next year. You know, mm-hmm. and he was so sure about that. They have every right to wonder if he's gone insane because there are physical limitations to to that, right? So, yeah. but at the same time, you could argue that there are these these physical limitations to everything that SpaceX has accomplished or everything that the original iPhone accomplished or everything Jay-Z has accomplished. So somewhere along the lines, people suspended belief and got pushed by a charismatic person to do something that they thought was impossible. So how do we figure out where that line is? Yeah, no, it's interesting, man. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like you, you could argue both, but you can argue that uh, in that example, Elon Musk is just crazy and there's no way that, will happen and 
he might just say it is and you're just not the right person. I'm going to fire you and get somebody else who can do it. Um, but I, I definitely do think that there we can achieve a lot more than we generally think we can. I think that we put a lot of limitations on ourselves and what we do. And um, it, it, like I always bring it back to like, I don't know, do you, are you a runner? Do you, do you ever run? No, but but keep keep going because I'll I'll have a similar thing with like like lifting weights or or something like that. But I I feel like if for anyone who runs, it's like you you if you do distance running, there's you inevitably hit this wall, and it just feels like you need to stop, and your legs feel like they're just bricks, and they're you can't carry them forward. You feel winded, and it just feels like no, I I I'm done. I'm it's over. But you somehow push through that and you keep just running and you're like, okay, just let me go another, like until that stop sign or until that light, I'm going to keep going just a little bit more, a little bit more. You, at some point you catch a second wind, but you realize that you end up pushing through this huge mental wall and you, you definitely are feeling like shit physically, but a lot of it is a mental uh, barrier that you kind of put on yourself. And, um, you know, it, I, I always bring myself back to that. Because it just reminds me that oh, okay, maybe this is me just getting in my my own head. I can, I can push past this. I can get past this. I can do a lot more than I think I can right now. I'm just hitting this weird mental um, runner's wall. And you know, definitely, I think we apply this. This happens every day in our in our lives. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just partly complacency, I guess. And I think part of it are the. I, my little pet theory with this is because I, I know the same thing with uh, I have this like weird obsession with push-ups. I love push-ups. Mm-hmm. I, I find them just they're like the simplest, most functional kind of exercise you can do. And there's a I, re- I read this really I don't know if I'd recommend this book or not. It's called uh, My Life with a Navy Seal or something. Mm-hmm. It's written by this person who runs a successful company who's married to the founder of Spanx who's like a billionaire um and honestly I don't, I don't know if I'll recommend it or not I don't even remember the name of it but the story is about you know a rich billionaire who lives with a navy seal for 30 days and this navy seal is this ultra marathoner crazy fitness person and basically just pushes this man it's, it's kind of like the matrix there is no spoon and he keeps referencing that this idea that your mind is just the only limit and the only thing I really took away from that book is there's a line in Navy SEAL training, specifically when they're talking about push-ups, that when you hit failure, so failure as in you physically cannot push yourself up from the floor, that you're only at about 40% of mm-hmm. your your output, but it's all mental. And just like you said, where like if, if you put your mind into the runner at that moment, if you could transplant consciousness with the runner – it's not psychosomatic. Like your legs are in pain. Your chest is tight. You're, you feel like shit. It's not some psychosomatic thing. Like you're, you're physically the same way when, when you have someone who cannot do one more push up. they're not just, it's not their brain tricking them. Like they really, if they push with all their might, they're not lifting themselves up off the ground. But what they talk about is when you go through these, these, these training programs where they, they break you, then you you just get you, you you learn how to push past that so that was a big setup for the question of as a runner 
if you hit the wall after seven minutes, or sorry, the 20, 27 minutes, if you consistently break through it, does the wall get pushed further and further back every time, or do you always hit it at the same time? I think it depends on your fitness level. I think it gets pushed back um, if, if you're if you no, consistently like, run. No, no, like, I, I mean, I mean like, like for, for you personally, like if you notice that you typically hit, hit the wall after 27 minutes and you run consistently for a year, you mm-hmm. will that wall will get pushed back, right? Oh, for sure. It, it can push back. Like you're, you're just not going to get winded as much. You're going to be in better physical shape and running every day. So yeah, that wall is going to get pushed back. Um, or it just depends. Like if I, if you're just going harder now, then maybe you still hit that wall around the same time, but you, you just, your, your time would be the overall time. You're going way faster. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, right, right, would, right. Or you yeah. could almost argue that like people who win marathons have just trained themselves so that they don't even hit the wall until after the marathon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then I, I think I no, I so I, I don't I don't agree with that because I think like if you're if you're running for a marathon and you're a competitive runner, you're going to hit that wall because you're pushing yourself to that limit. If you're not hitting the wall, that means you're just not pushing uh, yourself to that point. limit. Yeah, yeah. That, that right. And and I think that when it comes to um like work work life, I've noticed mm-hmm. that uh, we've, we talked a little bit about, uh, kind of how we plan our weeks and stuff. And I have been liking your, your really simple paper method. I, I still find myself falling back to OmniFocus, but I do, I do use that, like the simple kind of Monday clarify, what do I need to get done? And yeah, yeah. the, for, for me, the, it was sort of, it was rereading the, the, the four hour work week, the Tim Ferriss uh, classic, where he talked about Parkinson's law, where you, a task fits the time allotted. So you give yourself mm-hmm. two weeks, take two weeks, oh, you know? Yeah. And I, I do that now where I, I block off these, I think we talked about uh, these, I have these maker time blocks where I'll just block off two and a half hours in an afternoon. I, no one can book me. I'll cancel any meeting that goes in there. And that's when I try to move one of those big blocks or, or just get it done. And I, I've just mentally changed my attitude from, making progress on this to just getting it done. Like that's the goal of every block. And mm. it it doesn't always happen. Sometimes I can pull off a miracle and I can get something done. But going back to the example with Jay-Z or with Elon, like there are some things that just cannot get done in two hours, right? I mean, yeah. a book doesn't have as much information or a tweet doesn't have as much information as a book, which doesn't have as much information as as a collection. Like there are some things that you just cannot condense into like a smaller time block. But I wonder if, um, I wonder if it is possible to, like, I wonder if we should all go to work on Monday and take whatever goals we have and cut them in half or double them or whatever they are. If they're time goals, cut them in half. If they're a growth goal, double them and just operate as if that's normal. Like that's no big deal. Don't make a big fuss about it. Don't have any fanfare. Just know that you're going to hit whatever that new deadline is and like, is that what Jay-Z would do or would he just play a totally different game in general? Like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, like that's, that's where my, I have trouble. I have trouble actioning any of this conversation in my, in my daily life. Yeah. Like that's why I wonder like, okay, if Jay-Z was running this podcast, for example, what what, what would he do differently? 
so let, let's just say it was uh you, say you are jay-z or we 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 are jay-z right now and this is the pod this is where we're starting this is like our first uh foray into rap what what do you think he's thinking right now do you think is, is he thinking like okay i'm gonna make he a has to make a successful podcast because uh he has to build credibility in what he does doors don't open if he's not talented period right like he has to be good at what he does but do you think he's already thinking like i need to i'm gonna i'm just gonna have a whole bunch of podcasts under me i'm gonna start my own podcast network or i'm gonna be i'm gonna make my own podcast app or is this whole thing just way too small for him is he just like no there's something that the world hasn't seen yet but this podcasting is kind of taking over radio in a way, and there's going to be an, another evolution of this. And I'm gonna—I don't—I don't even really know what that evolution is, but I'm gonna jump on that. Hmm. I think he would probably do the latter. I, th- I think that's what he would look at if he was doing a podcast. He would see it as a way to reach an audience directly without middlemen, and then whatever he chooses to do with that audience at a later time would be his real play this would be a vehicle to attain the 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 direct relationship because like you have a relationship with jay-z because you buy his cd or well because mm-hmm. you download his music you would have a very different relationship with him if you listen to him talk every day for two hours or for an hour and you would and you'd have a much deeper relationship with him if he started a podcast so mm-hmm. if he asks you to do something as a podcast listener, I'm sure you are so much more likely to do it than, you know, and this is like the the, the Joe Rogan effect or they call it the Joe Rogan bump where, you know, Joe Rogan mentions you on a podcast and you're, I hope you're like, you know, strap in because you're about to get whatever times a thousand because his listeners are just so fanatical to him. I think mm-hmm. that would be the allure for Jay-Z. So I think... If we were to think about us as Jay-Z in this case, I mean, it's it's interesting. It might be different for both of us. I think mm-hmm. for me, it would be having, you know, um, full creative control, full financial freedom, and parlaying this into whatever next thing I wanted to do would probably be my ultimate ambition of a podcast. Thinking about mm-hmm. it, like Jay-Z, like those would be my goals. But even that doesn't seem nearly as ambitious as what Jay-Z might want. Yeah, like I'm thinking, what what's the apex of the podcast game? Like to be Joe Rogan, to be like a Bill Simmons, would that be the apex of the podcasting game? Probably. I mean, they're at the level where I don't know what they're making an episode, but it, it's, it's less about the money at that point. It's about the influence, the 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 ability to... Just go do some brand new venture tomorrow and take a million people with you. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like I think that's the that's the allure of any of these kind of, uh, of of things. I think at the end of the day where let's say you – okay, let's take us as an example. We do this for the next five years. We gain, uh, I don't know, 100,000 listeners who are mm-hmm. who are true fans, 100,000. That's not unrealistic. I think that would be a good goal to get 100,000 people listening to us every week in five years. Actually, truthfully, I don't even know if that's a good goal or not. We got to do more baselining. <clears throat> but <laughs> but then let's say you decide to branch out and you've published your own like VR game 
I mean, sure. that's it. That's all you're going to have to do is spend 30 seconds talking about your new VR game, make sure people know where to go find it, and you're probably going to make enough money to fund your next project just from talking mm -hmm. about it on this podcast. That's, mm -hmm. I think, the power of those kind of audiences where, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But, but I think going back to your original question, he probably wouldn't do this. This is probably not a good use of his time. And yeah, I, I feel it'd be. I, I I feel like he'd have to cut his teeth in this a little bit first because if he's a nobody, you know, he's not gonna get a hundred thousand from just nothing. Like he has a hundred thousand listeners or whatever because he is good at what he does. Like he's gonna have a wicked podcast probably. But but to your point, like maybe what we should be spending our time on in is just taking lessons from his book and saying, all right, how do we start piggybacking to get people on this show? That's probably what he would do. So he would look for the next most famous person in his network and get them on the podcast and then do, do the same thing or maybe get that person to, to get one of his friends on the podcast and slowly mm -hmm. just build an audience on the backs of his guests, which we talked about, I mean, we, that was one of the original ideas that we would have if we wanted to just get a bunch of people listening, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think, um, but I don't, I think the more interesting thing that I keep coming back to is, or especially when you're a manager, like when you're managing people, how do you, have you ever in your day job? especially in product, I feel like it's you're more likely to use this than, than me. Have you turned on a reality distortion field? Like, like, like have you... We, like, have, we, we need to get this done tomorrow and we haven't started anything yet kind so, of thing. Well, yeah, and sort of. Everybody like, have, to do you, that. have you found yourself saying something where you then, like, you know, your team leaves the room and you think to yourself, that, that, like, that's impossible. But I'm, but I'm, I'm, I don't care. I don't know if I have. If I've ever asked the team of anything, like I, in my mind, think it is reasonable. And do you think like that's I, good? And, and, and sorry, I'm just going to, I want to really yeah. drill on this. Do you think that's good or bad? I, it depends. Like, I, I think it's good in the way that the team doesn't think I'm fucking crazy. Right. Um, they think like, okay, this is a case of why Nick thinks it's possible and why I, I think we should do it. Um, but I don't know. Like the other case is just, I, I guess maybe I'm more of a, pra like I'm just pragmatic. Like I'm like, if, if we asked people to bang out a game in two days or something, I'm sure we could do it but it just wouldn't be good and we wouldn't want to ship it. And then I feel like we wasted our time and I'm like, then we're going to take five steps back. So what's the point? I know, but don't, don't you find this like a weird, and I don't know, maybe it's just cause it's late and I've, I've had too many espressos, but I just, I feel like this is the paradox. Like this is, this is a, this it's a paradox because, or, or finding the line of what you just said, finding out where that line is, I think is what separates, maybe what separates good from great. Because there's another voice in my head that says, what if you, let's take the Steve Jobs example, because there's enough, 
stories out there about him and even in his autobiography or even Jeff Bezos, very similar kinds of characters, right? Mm-hmm. They they just push. They just push and push and push and push and push and they don't say thank you. They expect it. They just push, push, push. And what happens is you get a self-selection where the people that stay in that environment tend to be people who can kind of make these miracles happen because everybody else just either left or got fired. So you self-select. If you can stay alive long enough, you self-select for people who can take a crazy goal and somehow make it make it happen. So mm-hmm. th- even for me, I'm tempted where, you know, Hub is a startup. We have limited funding. We're not you know, raking in crazy profits yet. So we have, we literally have like a, a t- like a clock that's ticking. And because I've been in more startups than other people, I feel that clock ticking or I can hear it ticking a lot louder than some people can. Mm-hmm. But, and we still have a lot of time, but in my mind, every fucking tick is very loud. And there's part of me that says, maybe I just turn on that Steve Jobs aspect or that Jay-Z mindset, even if that means that, my team thinks I'm crazy and thinks I'm totally out of touch with reality. And maybe some of them quit or, or maybe some of them, you know, go, but then that just lets me go find someone who puts up with my craziness because they have to. And then I end up pushing them to places that they didn't even think were possible. It's like, mm-hmm. like that's not a, when you, when you say it out loud, like that's, that's not crazy. If I was running a company, I would almost want to surround myself with those kinds of people. Um, and, yeah. but, but at the same time, I, I kind of know I'm not going to do that. So does that just mean I'm a pussy or does it mean that I just have emotional intelligence that Steve Jobs doesn't, or does it just mean that I'm destined for mediocrity because I just don't think that way? Like my brain doesn't operate on that level. I don't know. Like, and I struggle with that a lot because I look back on, uh, the one the one startup that we really had a shot was this one called uh, Viewpointer. So mm. Viewpointer was essentially Quora before Quora existed. That was the idea. Like when I look at Quora now and I love Quora, it's one of my favorite apps. I use it every day. It, it's essentially what I wanted to build. So I look at it and I have a lot of respect for it because I was trying to build Quora. And you know, we went to the Valley, we got angel money. We met with some very prolific venture capitalists. I've been in rooms with these people. I've almost gotten money from these people. And I look back and I, I just say like, there's a chance that like someone would have just taken a chance on us and and what could have happened if we had that, those resources. And, you know, we got 125,000 in funding. We ran out of money a year later, moved back to Toronto and, you know, all of us separately are doing very well in our respective careers, but we're not people you read about in books. So it didn't work for us. But mm-hmm. I think to myself, there's a chance though, that if, if we had have been more ambitious or relentless, let's call it, is it like, and this is getting into just like, you know, destiny or philosophy, but could, could we have made that happen or, was the idea just not good enough? Like, so I kind of I kind of think though, like at a, working at a company though, it's hard. Like if if I want to do that, and you, there's definitely times where we push, and um, you know you motivate people to do more than they probably would normally do in a day, and it's awesome, and everyone feels they achieved a lot. But a lot of this kind of 
has you have to almost have buy-in from like everybody from the top down that everybody's on this whole this huge fucking mission do you do, do you know what i mean like if everyone doesn't yeah. feel that buy-in that they're on a they're on the next rocket ship and they're gonna be changing the world or something um it's it's hard it's hard. It needs to be almost ingrained in that culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're no, you're right. And and I think that the you, you're right because because if if you don't have that alignment, then not only do you look like an outlier in your own company, but you just become toxic from a culture standpoint because it's like everybody else just doesn't see the world that way, and you really are this lone wolf now. Yeah, and you just look very irrational and moody and demanding and whatever. Whereas if you went to Amazon, you might get promoted. Um, But that's just not the culture you have at Sego. So you need to internalize that and decide, do I want to work at Amazon or do I want to work at Sego? Right. And yeah. So, so, and and honestly, the fact that you work at Hubba and I work at Sego and we are both not, that t- and the both the fact that we haven't quit and said like fuck it I'm I'm going at 120 and everyone is going at 80 um, or like 50 and I I want to go like a, a ludicrous speed maybe maybe do you think that means that we actually don't really want to go to lud- a ludicrous speed do you think we're actually maybe we're just not that type of people right right and I, that's the thing that I wrestle with where. I, I think I want to be that person on some level. I want to think yeah. I'm that person. Yeah. But, and you know, even even looking at um, at our CEO, at, at Ben, he, he's he got two kids. They're a little older than, than my kids, but I, I see a lot of, like we have a very similar life in a lot of ways where we're a father of a boy and a girl and we work in tech. Maybe that's where it ends. But I look at him and I, I'm like, I don't want that. I, I don't. I wouldn't want what you, I wouldn't want to be the boss. Like, like what is your life? Like my life is just barely hanging on. I'm barely hanging on here. Like <laughs> I, I've got Cheerios. I've got, I've got a box of Cheerios all over the floor right now that they're like landmines. I'm like dodging landmines on my way up the stairs. Like how, how could you be thinking about funding and running a company? And, and I, I have a lot of on admiration in a way. Yeah. But and I know that if it was me, I would do it. Like I would find a way. I would I would make it work the same way that I always have on and everything in life. But it you I think I think it's it comes down to the fact that we're just we're 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 comfortable, and it mm. kind of goes back to my 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 thing with this this Bitcoin hedge fund. And I say this quasi seriously. Like I'm I'm at the point now where there's three or four people who are if I called them tomorrow and said, write me a check, they would write checks. And it's, it's a, it's this weird feeling where from a financial standpoint, this is probably the the one idea I've had that could make me the most money, but it's so scary to think about that prospect of playing with somebody else's money in a, in an Mm -hmm. unpredictable market that Mm I just remember, oh right, this is why I didn't go into finance. This is why I didn't become a consultant, a management consultant. Like I, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I if I can stomach that kind of responsibility because I'm chicken because I have no balls. And yeah, but yeah, 
you know, but and, but but if you're taking people's money, they understand the risks. Like this is this is Bitcoin. This is crypto we're talking about. I, I know? know, I know, and and I I I and and what's scarier is that I'm I'm I I really am fucking right. I know I'm right, and I put my own money where my mouth is. Like I'm making these these investments every week, you know. So I'm 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 not like calling shots mm-hmm. from the sidelines here. I'm. I'm doing this stuff and so I have skin in the game myself, mm-hmm. but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's this good as the enemy of great, which is things are really good for me right now. And maybe if I do this Bitcoin hedge fund, they'd be great. You know, I'd mm-hmm. become, okay. If I'm Jay-Z, I'm, I'm the Warren Buffett of Bitcoin 20 years from now, right? That's what Jay-Z would want to be. If he mm-hmm. was thinking about starting a, a crypto hedge fund, he would be the the Warren Buffett twenty years from now, right? So, yeah. but I think that right now, at least, the calculus in my head says that the 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 down, the loss, the potential loss there, not even financially, just reputation wise, emotionally, on my ego, whatever it is, is just not worth it right now for some reason. Maybe that's just you being a pussy, man. I know, I know. Then that—that's. I think that's what it is. And <laughs> but okay, but but then it's the other voice of like, oh, but wait a second, Kent. Let's let's start counting here. Um, you're a director level at a at a startup. You have a team. You have a, a side store business, uh, Able Cells. You have a podcast. You're a father of two. You're like. Why why are you adding another thing to this list, right? And mm-hmm. truthfully, I think what I'm more scared of with an idea like that is that I know that one of those things would have to die. So, and it would probably be Hubba, you know? It would probably mm-hmm. be, um, and this is where it's that whole idea of like the fear of success. You know what? Let's, uh, to, to come full circle on it, I'll bet you that Jay-Z has no fear of success. And... I think a lot mm-hmm. of people have a fear of success because success means change. Change is scary. We don't like change. We try to avoid it. And sometimes you self-sabotage yourself because you don't want what you think you want because you know it's going to involve a lot of change. No, and... but I, the, the way the way you're talking, though, I think it's a fear of failure, though, right? Because you're talking – you mentioned earlier you're like, I, I'm scared about – you know, it's not even the money thing, but it's the reputation and, you know, uh, the ego and – you know, there's all reasons that you won't want to do it because it might fail. But, and it's even like when you talk about like the side projects you have, like I think if it's Jay-Z, like he's all in on one 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 of these things. So if it's Able Cells, if it is this pod, if it is the Bitcoin investment, or sorry, the crypto investment hedge fund, whatever it is, he, he's just all in on that one thing and he's single uh, minded focus on, on that. I think at least uh, at this ground level. No, but, but I disagree. I think if he's a case study in a little bit of everything, no? Yeah. I think at, at this level now where he has made this money, where he can kind of just like, okay, I'll put like a hundred million dollars in this and I'm going to be hire this guy who's super talented. He's going to run this for me, but he doesn't, he can kind of be like a armchair quarterback. But at this level, where let's just say the able cells is at the early stages, and the podcast is right in the beginning, and this 
um, crypto hedge fund you're talking about is at the very early stages. Same, same, same deal. Like you, you don't have, you're not, you're, you don't have the hundred million to just hire some ones, just like take it and run with it for you. Uh, yeah, but then, but then that goes back to the, the, that 37 signals problem where can't you argue then that the reason why Jay-Z is as successful and ambitious as he is, is because he got really lucky, had early success, put money in the bank, and then just parlayed that money into more things. Yeah, and but so I think his recipe, part of the recipe for success is A, the foresight, B, the, he got to be really, he's really fucking talented at what he does. And in order to get there, like he had to put that work in. You know what I mean? Like I, I, yeah. I think he, nothing yeah. happens for Jay Z if he, he's not talented. Okay, so so let's take this back to you and I on this pod. Then mm-hmm. I might argue that maybe we're doing this the right way. Then maybe we are on that path where I think each of our episodes is getting better. I I like where this one's going. We'll see what it, what it sounds like when it comes back. But if we just focus on creating really great podcasts, such that. Mm. We create a thousand true fans, and then that turns into ten thousand, and that turns into a hundred thousand. These opportunities might just come at us without us having to chase them, right? Yeah, but I think you also have to set yourself up for kind of success, and I think we have to take the leaps when the leaps are available to us. What What do you think a potential leap could be for this pod? So it could be that um, I don't know. Joe Rogan's like, "Hey, heard heard you guys." Um, do you want to come on our, our come on my my show and let's talk about uh, some tech stuff? Right, and like, oh, but, <laughs> oh, but, oh, but by the way, you need to take three days off work and you need to spend five thousand dollars flying down here, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And if it doesn't work out, you're gonna look like big idiots, and your podcast is gonna be a complete failure from then on. Yeah, but like that's easy though. Of course we do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, but those are the risks, right? Like there's obviously risk involved, but, um, maybe something like that happens. I, I don't know. Or maybe it's just even, we, we need to be emailing all these people and saying like, Hey, I like your show. I want to be a guest on your show. This is why we should be a guest on your show. But yes. it's also a bit of that hustle, right? That, that comes with that. Um, so it's, it's not even just like, let's just make this one episode great, but it's like, um, let's set the next five steps up um in, in in this game that that's a fascinating question and it's so hard to get an honest answer from people but like even and maybe you know this about jay-z but when when he was starting out as talented as he is like you say going into these recording sessions dropping lyrics without preparation at living or improving or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. like do you think he just wait did success find him because he was so good or did he still have to take that that raw material that was very very good and go put it in front of 5000 people hoping that five of them were going to pick it up i don't know i think his history um i think he he also got very lucky in that i think he got into rap at an interesting time where the people around him were also, they also became gigantic fucking megastars. So like he's from Brooklyn, I think, and Biggie and Taurus B.I.G.'s from there. They were, they were a crew. They were like friends. Right. Um, you know, he was in circles with like DMX, 
um, even with like Nas and um, a lot of these like gigantic mega rap stars. And this is like because he was in it when 90s rap um, was kind of on the rise and 90s rap was all about the, the big theme in a lot of 90s like gangster rap was like the crack game and like the drug it's like drug dealer music right in, in right many ways. right and he was a drug dealer like he was a very successful drug dealer i think before he got into rap um but he was at the not the ground level of rap but he was at this interesting um point in rap history where his circles and his history and everything just kind of worked in his favor it just kind of clicked a lot of things uh that i think if it was a different decade a different time a different city he wasn't from new york or not wasn't from brooklyn from i don't know if it would have worked out the same way Mm, right even even given like so you think right now there are people maybe with more raw talent or as talented as he as he was Mm-hmm. who just maybe are in the wrong place at the wrong time, never get discovered, you know. For the, sure. Yeah. Yeah, see, and that that drives me nuts, man. Like that like to me that's the that's the question and and part of it is is a totally egotistical driven selfish reason for for feeling like that is that I look at a lot of people who are quote successful in startups and I I look at them and I say, "Oh, come on. I could that could have been me." I, I just mm-hmm. had a I just had a different dice roll than, than than you did, and again that's a really dick thing to say because I have no idea what their story is and how hard they work, but I know my story and how hard I worked and how close we kind of got in a lot of ways to some of this stuff, and even this pod like this could be the best pod ever, but if nobody and, and again I think you're 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 hitting on what I already know which is. Uh, well, okay. I told you to listen to that that Joe Rogan Dan Carlin mm-hmm. podcast. Great, great and episode, by the gr- way. Great yeah. episode, and I want to re-listen to it because I was on an airplane when I when I listened to it, and I I probably missed some of it. I was dozing in and out, but the so Dan Carlin's thing was life is a verb, and you just need to be doing things: action, motion, action, motion, and mm-hmm. looping this back to the secret and all of the kind of stuff that came out around that whole subculture that created like from that whole, you know, find your dreams, live your dreams, all that bullshit. The thing I took away from it was action. And Mm -hmm. I became very decisive and very action oriented. So if I had an idea for something, I just did it. And it always Mm -hmm. has served me well, that, that idea of action. So when I heard Dan Carlin say that, and the fact that you and I, and the fact that they reference podcasting, and that you and I have just started this podcast, I took as a as a sign from whatever that we're on the right path. That we just need to keep doing this and just keep talking every week, putting in the reps. But then now, as we talk through this, my my rational brain kicks in, and I'm like, yeah, but again, easy for you to say. And even though they use this as a counter argument, so sorry, if you're not familiar with this, just go listen to this podcast. It's just Google Joe Rogan, Dan Carlin. It's their most recent one. And Rogan makes the point that people always say to him, oh, easy for you, Joe. You were on Fear Factor. You're a successful actor. Like, of course you could start a podcast because you have this audience. And and then you used to be on the radio. Of course you could start a hardcore history podcast because you, and of course they they dodge it, but then, 
I, I, I still kind of think that where if we just sit here talking to ourselves and get pick up 10 listeners a week, we're going to have to talk for a long time to hit 10,000 or 100,000 people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like this thing's just going to happen. So, you know, but but there's part of me that almost feels like it could or should, you know? I, I don't know. And I don't know if that's just laziness. I don't want, maybe I don't want to put in the work of promoting this thing. But... Mm-hmm. At the same time, I feel like there's so much shit out there that gets promoted. And I would love for for this to be the one thing in my life that I haven't tried to force. That you and yeah. I just get on the phone once a week, have what I think is a really interesting conversation that other people might want to hear, and that's fucking it. And if mm-hmm. if fame and fortune follows that because thousands and millions of other people find it interesting fine if nothing happens if we just keep talking like this for another 10 years like there's part of me that really is okay with that you know and but but then sometimes like i'm walking to work this week and i was stressed out that that we hadn't done the pod and i was like oh man like i felt like it was my fault because i missed our original date of like i had to anyway and then i was like damn like why do i feel like this like do i and and I think the reason is because part of me is like 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 what would do, what are we doing here like why are we talking to each other at twelve three in the morning on a Sunday you know like why 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 are we doing this to ourselves like no one's listening to this so why are we like what like why are we really doing this and then I'll catch these other waves where I'm like no this is why we're doing it we're doing it because we if we didn't do this every week we might talk once every three weeks and. Mm-hmm. I like talking to you every week. So this forces yeah, us to at least just talk to each other every week, you know? I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I'm ranting and now, but. No, but even like when I was listening to the the Dan Carlin and uh, Joe Rogan show, uh, or that episode, when he talks about life as a verb, and I was thinking a lot about this podcast, and partly I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, let's just, let's just do it, and we got to put our reps in. And, you know, like Joe Rogan, he mentioned that when he started the podcast, he had like, 200 listeners maybe and or 200 listens to his first pod or something it wasn't that many and now you know he's like this gigantic podcast person right but he did it initially for kind of reps for his uh stand-up career i think that's what they said in the pod yeah um so you know he didn't do it with the intention of like let's i'm gonna be this podcast giant he just thought it'd be something cool to do and he would get reps for uh, his speaking for his, uh, yeah, his stand-up stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know if people always go into things with the intention of I'm going to be famous and make a million dollars or right now, like a million means nothing, but like a billion dollars doing this. Um, but it's also like the tertiary things that I think I get out of this. Like A, the intention of doing this to improve my communication skills and just even hearing myself. It's really weird. I notice all these weird nuances in my speech and my voice. And I'm like, this is cool. Like I would never have really thought about it or noticed it. Even when we talk about stuff, even though oftentimes we are just picking topics the day of, and we just kind of, we riff on it. And that's pretty much what we normally do. But I do feel like I need to be more abreast on things like tech stuff and um 
you know, we talk about VR, AR, I don't know, or um, ambition and the history of Jay-Z. I don't know. Like, but these are just different things that I feel like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll spend 10 minutes and read on it. And um, that's in, at the very, very least, it's just good because it keeps me sharp. Like I, I feel since we started this, I have been reading tech news more or listening to like um, uh, more, I guess, like tech pods and stuff a lot more since we started. And I don't think of it as preparation, but I guess I subconsciously do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's that's also good. Um, and it's just also interesting just to see how this podcast business works. Um, like logging into Fireside and just seeing like, oh, okay, this is, these are the kind of stats you get. This is like how, just a sense of how this business is. And this, that's just brand new learning for me too. And that's just cool. Um, and maybe it has no impact in the rest of my life, but maybe it does. And you just can't connect the dots looking forward. Right? No, I, totally. And I, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we need to go Jay-Z on this podcast. I, I still mm. think we we don't in fact i would mm-hmm. i would love to see how long we could go without going jay-z on it right mm-hmm. and because c- truthfully i know this is going to sound kind of weird and meta that's almost also going jay-z on it you know like if we are so <laughs> like by by doing nothing you know by mm-hmm. by doing no promotion that's the ultimate form of marketing in a way where if you really does that make any sense? Like, does that does that have any legs? I don't know. You have to elaborate on that a bit. <laughs> well, j- just the idea of really letting your art stand for itself. So, yeah, I, I hope that our conversations are interesting enough that over time, through only word of mouth, other people will hear about this podcast, and. That would be, it would be so amazing for us to look back five years from now, even if it's 5,000 people or 10,000 people or a million people or a thousand and really be able to honestly look at each other and say, all these people are here because they want to be here. Mm -hmm. There's no tricks. There's no games. There was no growth hacks. There was no tomfoolery. These people are here because somebody they trust told them to come and they liked what they saw and they came back or something that for sure like that that's really powerful and I've never done anything like that I've been snake oiling and pushing shit for years and years and years so <laughs> to me it's almost this purifier of my of my marketer's soul to say let's try to create something where the content stands on its own um anyway but I, I just I just think it's super fucking cool that we're gonna have ten episodes uh, after this one. I'm gonna and that's that's incredible in itself. And uh, you know, like we talked about this a bit before, because even like the blog I'm working on um, or the book I'm working on, like the I I was it's it's always nice to get like a like on like fucking Medium or Twitter or Facebook or people yeah. commenting on your shit. It just it means really nothing but it's always nice to see and i was really obsessed with those metrics for a while and now i don't care and it feels great like i just post i just post my stuff whenever i post it and um you know if people like it that's cool 
Um, but I, I, I think there's no matter what, like I realize that there's going to be a small percentage of these people who are true fans and they really, the material really resonates with them. And I know that, and that is cool. And I'm happy to write for those five people or 10 people or however many they are is probably like five, but, um, that, that, that thing with five people there, there's probably a whole gigantic Facebook segment of people that are just like these people. If you're going to do like a, like, um, What's that thing in Facebook uh, for like 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 uh, like audience? Uh, a look like audience, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do a look like audience on those five people, like that segmentation is going to be massive. If um, uh, if you extrapolate that out and whatever, man. I, I think if we if like ten people or fifteen people are jiving with our our our, uh, our pod, then fuck, man. I think we're hitting on something, and that that's cool. Um, even if it doesn't get past like these 15 people. Um, no, I hear you. If nothing else, I think the objective metric for me is the number of times I say the word like. So <laughs> this week I've been very conscious of it. I told myself before I started to, so I've been talking more. I've noticed I'm a little slower tonight and it's deliberate because I'm trying to self-censor any like. I have like a pre-processor running because the last episode drove me nuts the first five minutes, I, all, all I could hear is me saying like, and the, you're right. Even if, even if it's exploring little things like that, if that's what we get yeah. out of this, we just become better communicators. Yeah. You know, it's, um, but, but truthfully, let me just uh, take the last uh, minute here to uh, really just say thank you to you. I, I think I've always found our conversations helpful and there is something about them being in public now that the the spirit of them is the same but I, I feel like I'm getting more out of them and I don't know if it's just because we're we're bringing more to the table now we're just more focused when we talk without I don't know walking the streets of, of King West but I do feel like my my thinking is getting better as we as we talk more I can't believe we've been talking for 10 already and mm -hmm. You know, I'm excited to see where it goes, you know, in the new year. I think we can, we've talked about bringing on guests. I think we can experiment with that. I think we can experiment with um, really trying a more structured format. I mean, there's all there's all this stuff that you're going to start to see. And it's, um, it is pretty cool that we've done, that we've done 10. So yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's exciting. Dude, I have so when we do this pod, I have like a piece of paper and on it I write down slow down, don't stumble into sentences and complete your thoughts. Hmm. Just hmm. as a reminder. I but like I, that. I yeah. often just forget that it's even fucking there, but I I'm trying to like make it the sign bigger and bigger uh so I I remember when uh whenever I'm speaking on this pod. Because I notice this when I uh listen back and it's really fucking annoying and it bothers me so much. Um, and I can't believe people, I, I can't believe I, this is how I talk in real life. It's, it's, it's terrible. Man. <laughs> oh man. I'm, I'm the same way with the, the two other, the two other things I do all the time is I say, I say things like, oh, let's not talk about this. And then I talk about it. I hate that. Oh, I yeah. hate that so much. I, I have this weird obsession with, with giving people 
credit for things. So if I'm about to say something, I always have to preface like preface it with where I heard it, where I read it, uh, if we've mm. already covered it. I feel like someone's auditing us sometimes when I when we're recording, <laughs> and and no one's giving me this feedback. I've just noticed this myself as I listen back. I think to myself, why do I justify or why do I qualify? It's, it's called qualifying. That's right. I remember mm-hmm. Ron, when we had that whole diatribe on, on how bad my writing was, Ron used to say that, our, this is our professor, Ron Becker, that I would qualify every word I said or every sentence I said. And mm-hmm. I want to get better at just being more, just if this is if this is what I think, whether I read it somewhere or not, it doesn't matter. I don't, this isn't, uh, this isn't an essay. I don't have to quote all my sources. If you, you know, uh, if you challenge me on, is this an original idea? Of course I'll say, no, of course not. I read it somewhere, but I don't need to in real time think about where I heard about it, you know? Right, and right. I, yeah, I've noticed I do that a lot. So it's, it's been, um, it's been, it's, been, I think it, it, it's an awareness raiser. And yeah, it's fascinating. And that's why, you know, there's a couple other friends that were joking that listened to this and said, Oh, we're, we're going to start a podcast. And I said, great. I mean, even mm. if it's, you should kind of like what Dan and, and Joe were saying, just, mm. yeah, do it. Yeah. You know, even just for the hearing yourself talk is, is fascinating. So it's, um, yeah, no, no, for sure, man. Well, but I, I do. I, one, one, one thing though, I, I do, I do notice when, when you do do that uh, and you, qualify i'm like fuck man this guy has an incredible memory i don't know how you get the name straight um like where it's from the dates like you're i don't know if you're pulling this out of your ass like even these names i'm like do you are you just making these up oftentimes i'm like man it's great um ah, but sometimes i worry that i am actually i'm not i don't mean to make it up but sometimes i'm i'm worried that i am making it up <laughs> or that i'm i'm misremembering or that i'm you know, um, so I, I'm better off to almost not say it. Or the worst <laughs> thing is, and we, we've talked about uh, Sam Harris before, but sometimes like I, he had these, he had a great podcast. The, his last one that I listened to was about death and it was so good. And it reminded me about why if he came out with a new book tomorrow, I would buy it or pre-order it in, in a heartbeat just because I think he talks to Anyway, I, I really do like Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. Then other times I listen to him and he just sounds like a, such a dick. Like he sounds like such a douche with his vocabulary and his, he, you, he, it's almost like he's bragging about how well read he is every second, the way other guys talk about how big their dick is. Mm-hmm. Like he, <laughs> he measures his dick by the size of his vocabulary. And sometimes I'll catch myself in a, in a conversation at work and I, maybe it's like a subtle eye movement or it's a facial expression in someone. And I have to think to myself, like, am I, am I that guy that hasn't, because I do read a lot and I listen to a lot of things and I, and I do, I just like reading. I'm a very curious person. So and I've got an opinion on everything. You could, you could drop, drop something in. I, chances are I have an opinion on it. And I feel like mm-hmm. that could be super annoying. And I just always am worried that I'm, I'm I'm on the scale of oh fuck okay what's Kent gonna say now like what's he like what's he gonna say did he read an article did he listen to a book like the number of times I start a conversation now with Christina so I was listening to this podcast like she I, I can see her eyes rolling into the back of her head because 
almost every conversation starter I have now is about something I've listened to or something I've read. And I don't know if that's good or not. So maybe you should try having those same conversations, but not saying where you got it from, but just right. like fact dropping right. it as if you're just intelligent and it was an original thought. Right. Yeah. I don't <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Oh, P.S. Just uh, while we're uh, buttoning things up here, d- did you hear the Bill? Do you still like? Do you subscribe to Bill Simmons podcast? I'm sure. Yeah, you did. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you hear this? The Parent Talk c- compilation they did. No, when was that one? Oh man, I think it, it must have just come out. So, I guess he does this podcast with a guy called Cousin Sal. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then at the end of the podcast, for like five minutes, they just talk about a funny parenting story of that week, mm-hmm. and they've they've combined all of them into one like hour long episode. And oh, interesting. You you should totally listen to it because I'm I'm gonna throw on the table that we might want to do something similar because okay, it's as a parent. I mean, their kids are much older. They're between nine and fourteen or something. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the cousin Sal guy has a five-year-old or six-year-old, but they're they're older. But they're into the even weirder time now, where like they're talking about catching their kids watching porn, and and Bill was talking about watching a movie where someone was describing giving a sloppy blowjob, and he's watching this with his fourteen-year-old daughter, and yeah, just yeah. how fucked up that is on so many levels, and he wanted to kill himself, and and it. Anyway, I, yeah. I it reminded me. Sometimes I hate Bill Simmons because I think he is a dick sometimes. But when he talks about those kind of topics, I I love. I really think he's one of the best people out there. So I really appreciate you telling me about him because I would have totally written him off, written him off as a jock. Just all he cares about is betting and sports, which I do like sometimes. But I can't listen to someone talk about it for three hours. Um, yeah. Yeah, but in, like he talks about his kids a lot through all his pods, and yeah. sometimes he'll just talk about like how he's a shitty dad because yeah. he let his kid watch John Wick, and his kid thinks he he wants to be John Wick now. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. He's like, fuck. Well, he, he talks about how he, he's always pushing <laughs> not good. these like really R-rated movies onto his kids, and anyway, it just opened my mind yeah, to yeah. Um, you and I tend to talk a lot about tech and philosophy and how those things tie together and and productivity mm-hmm. or ambition or whatever or business, whatever you want to call it. But it'd be kind of fun to almost like reserve a segment or something where we just, and again, I don't want to take away from what you're doing on, on, um, on fatherhood no, no, because, because no, no. I think it's, um, but, but something like that where, you know, Oh, that's totally good. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We can, uh, we can play with that, but definitely listen to that, to that, uh, to that Bill Simmons I, one. I usually, I usually skip the cousin Sal ones, uh, because the cousin Sal ones are, they just talk about, uh, betting, uh, like betting football a lot. Yeah. And is that where they go through like crazy, they, like they, 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 they literally they, go like line by line through all the odds and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They guess, they, 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 they guess the lines. Um, because I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to listen to Bill Simmons as like a a, a capper for me, you know. Um, I, I feel I have different resources for that, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I should I should definitely check those out though. I didn't know they do that at the end of the, those uh, episodes. Well, and it's so funny because he 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 introduces the episode being basically saying what you just said that uh, he's. He said, I think a lot of people don't make it to the end of these episodes and they don't even know that we do this. Um, 
And uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I know that given what you're doing now with fatherhood, you're going to love yeah. the things to look forward to with a, with a daughter. So, uh, all right, man. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, by the way, I need the marketer and you to think of a better name for me. Cause I, I just do fatherhood in there. Cause I thought it'd be a, a strong keyword, but, uh, I, I want, it just doesn't resonate with me enough. The daily poop. Mm, no. Yeah. And if it's not daily, the monthly poop, I, I don't know. I think about this a little bit more. Uh, uh there's so many puns you could make, but that, Puns don't don't let, don't stand the test of time. I I like the simplicity of fatherhood. I like that. The uh, or it's like that show Parenthood. That was a great show. Mm-hmm. Very very simple. Could have made a lot of catchier titles than that, but it just sort of summed it up. No, I think it's great. I yeah. you know what? It's weird though. I don't know if Medium fucked up or if you fucked up, but I didn't get a push notification about this new post you had yesterday. Oh, um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, unless maybe I did and I, I just got, but normally, so wait, you publish this on Saturday? I think so. Or Friday night or something. Yeah. Friday night, maybe because I don't go it anymore. I just fucking sit on my couch now and this is all I do. That's it. You will for the next two years. No, dude, I'm looking through here. I'm, oh shit. <laughs> Yesterday. 12 a.m. Nick Shim published month six, a tiny human. All right, so that was just me. I uh, yeah, no, nobody, nobody. It's because nobody's gonna read it at minute, but I kind of didn't care. I was like, I, I kind of think this is a bad time to do it if this was a proper business, but I, well, I don't, I don't even care. See, they're all, they're all just call you out on a missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I don't think you want to publish it at the at midnight because. It's a terrible time. Well, even people like me who actually want to know, like I want to know when the new thing comes out and I don't check Medium the way I check other things. I rely on push notifications. Now, mm-hmm. this week on Friday, I will find out about it because it'll be in my digest, which I do read every Friday. So by by Friday this week, I will I will have known about this. But I feel like if you do it at any time between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., you're, you're, you've got, at least for me, you've got my attention. Like I will. Yeah. Um, but no, you're, 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 you're completely right. Um, but I was on this whole bend of like not giving a fuck and like, whatever, I'm just going to post this. And for those five people, and that's, that was my kind of thinking, but it, it, it's just me being an idiot. I, I no, just... no, no. But, but I, at the same time, I don't, um, I, I, it's not, it's not the wrong thing to do. Cause again, does it really matter if I read this thing? today or if i read it on friday that, that makes no difference to you no but what would jay-z do jay-z wouldn't do that jay-z would have planned his his album launches a lot better than that than, than this for sure yeah i still i i still I'm, I'm feeling a little unsatisfied i think we just picked the wrong like maybe jay-z is just such an outlier but i um there's part of me that still just comes back to money man I mean, the guy can do what he does because he 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 got lucky. Like, I don't know. We we shouldn't get back into this, but I I still. I I, I think okay. So, just to wrap wrap things up, I do think luck plays a factor, but I think there's different people in the world, and I think there's workers or owners. And if you're, I think we're 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 workers who have ambitions of being owners, and you know we've dabbled in that, but. I think in that owner realm, there's people who run lifestyle businesses 
and there's people who want to run fucking empires. Right. And I don't even know if I'm in empire mode. I think even if I were to run my own th- my own business, it would be like a lifestyle business. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? No, and, me, me too. And in fact, I, I used those exact words to Christina this week when I was contemplating my CEO's life, which we talked about. And because I, I could see having all those responsibilities if I was running a lifestyle business that I could control and all that jazz, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We're just not Jay-Z, man. Fuck. Yeah, it's true, though. It's true. Well, at least I know what the name of this episode is going to be. And I know what the intro song. Okay, how about this? I know what the intro song is going to be. What should yeah. the outro? You need to pick the outro song. What what outro song should I should I put to this? And it should be a Jay Z song, I think. I just don't know enough. Um, it should be the the one he did with uh, Link, Lincoln Park. Um, uh, like oh, hybrid the, hi, the hybrid hybrid theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it can be encore. I think encore is a good song to to. It's basically saying he, he's he's retiring and uh, yeah. Check it out. All right, I'll send. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a link. Yeah. No, no, yeah, I'll, I'll get it. I just, I just ripped them off. I don't, I don't. There's no way this is legal, right? Like, I can't use other people's songs at the beginning of these podcasts, right? Fuck, I don't know who's gonna sue us for for, for what. Like, we have like five listeners, man. Yeah, I know. Come on, Nick, yeah. Anson, don't don't sue us, okay? <laughs> the, 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 um, the, that person at Nick's office who who listens to this, don't don't sue us. Okay, don't 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 tell the FCC that I'm don't go tell the FCC that I'm sampling uh, Prodigy and uh, Jay Z songs for our for our intros and outros. Snitches get stitches. That's it. Oh, maybe <laughs> maybe that should be the title. Ah, uh, no, I think I've got a title. Should just be we're not. I'm I'm not Jay Z. No, I was gonna make it. What would Jay like like the What would Jay Z do? Yeah. I think that was I think oh, that was gonna okay. be the title. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Uh, all right, dude. All right, man. Let's button this up. Have a great uh, Have a great Sunday. All right. You too. Talk to you soon. All Bye. right. Peace. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Far too kind. Uh. Yeah. Ready. Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Cook and roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need y'all to roll. Uh, 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 yeah. Now what the hell are you waiting for? After me, there should be no more. So for one last time, make some noise. Get him, Jay. Who you know fresher than whole? Riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lurking yeah. Can none of y'all mirror me back? Yeah, hear me rap, it's like hand G rapping is prime. I'm young HO, raps grateful dead. Back to take over the globe, now break bread. I'm in Boeing Jets, Global Express. Out the country, but the blueberries still connect. On the low, but the yacht got a triple deck. But when you young, what you expect? Yep, yep. Grand opening, grand closing. Damn your manhole, crack the can open again Who you gonna find open ahead with no pen? Just draw inspiration Who you gonna see you can't replace him With cheap imitations of these generations Hardcore